Welcome to the Hanu Health Podcast, where our mission is to help you to breathe better and stress less. On this show, we discuss a variety of topics and provide practical suggestions for improving health and well-being. However, none of the education, tips, and tricks provided should be taken as medical advice. Your medical doctor is your best bet if you have medical questions. Also, on this podcast, we interview numerous guests from diverse backgrounds, interests, and may carry some unique ideas. Hanu Health as a company does not endorse all statements provided by guests or condone all suggestions or protocols discussed. We just like hearing about cool people doing rad and new things. So sit back, relax, breathe, and enjoy the show. Hey, we're back. It's another episode, Hanu Health. Glad to have you back. My name is Dr. Jay Wiles. I host this thing which is really fun. And if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for being here. You know, I always say, you know, that whole, what is it? The like, subscribe, hit the bell thing. Do all that. It helps us like it really does. If you're listening on the podcast, welcome back. Today is going to be a fun episode. And I think all the episodes are fun, but I think today's going to be even more fun because I am answering what I would say is probably the most requested question slash podcast interest slash topic area. And it's like, what do I actually do on a daily basis? Like, what do, what do I do with my daily routine? And I actually, I love listening to podcasts about this too. So podcasts like from, you know, the people I listen to, Ben Greenfield or, you know, Andrew Huberman, Lex Friedman, Ben Pakolsky. Like, I like to hear what these people do on a daily basis because they research what they do. They don't just jump in and just do things just to do things. Well, maybe Ben does uh, because he's like that uh, bit of an investigative journalist. But for the most part, these people research and talk to really smart people about what they should integrate into their daily habits, into their daily routine. And we'll come back to that word habit here in just a minute. But I'm always interested and it gives me kind of this you know, drive to learn more and to say like, is that something that I should integrate into my life as well? So on Instagram, on social media, email even too, at Hanu Health, we're always like flooded with these questions about like, well, what does Jay do? Like, what is his daily routine like? And I think a lot of that you know, comes out of or is spawned by this interest in like, what has he researched? What has he really said? Like this for me fits into the daily routine. And so I'm actually going to talk about the things that truly fit within my daily routine. And I'll talk about those like optional things throughout the way, but I'm going to really talk about my structured schedule. I am a bit of a creature of habit. I just tend to be someone who likes to follow structure. I thrive better under structure. If I don't have structure to my day, um, it throws me off a bit. And it's funny because I wouldn't necessarily say I've always been like that. I wouldn't necessarily say like that is my natural inclination. Like a bit of that is learned. Like it's probably like 50% learned, 50% natural inclination. Uh, I'm neurotic but I'm not like probably on the far end of the spectrum of neuroticism. I just like structure. Like it doesn't derail my day if I do not experience like the structure or plan or agenda for the day. Like it doesn't derail me, but I do prefer it. Like I tend to stick to schedules just because for me, it's always best for me to know what is ahead of me. So we're going to go through it today. What are all those things that I do to optimize and hack my well-being? What are those staples that I have integrated? And again, these staples come from many years 
of me studying the subject matter of health optimization, of wellness, of fitness. And so because of that, I want to just kind of bring that information to you. And I hope that if anything, you just take some practical nuggets or tidbits, like you don't need to replicate my day. Like my day is not going to look like yours. Your day is not going to look like mine. Like I am a business owner. I'm a podcaster. You know, I'm a health and wellness guy. I'm a dad of two boys. Like I'm a husband. I, these are things that for you may fit or may not fit. I'm also a man. And so if women don't necessarily need to follow my exact plan or daily routine, because some of the things that I do, for instance, frequent hit training, um, you know, frequent cold immersion, sauna, and fasting. These are things that may not necessarily fit into your routine. And, and maybe more so I should scratch that and say, these are not things that you need to um, always implement if you're a woman, because it could be potentially detrimental. And I've talked to people about this before. There's actually a podcast that I'm going to be doing here uh, with Angela Foster, where I want to dig into that topic of like, what's appropriate for men and women. So I don't want to get onto a diatribe or derail us too much. But that's all of my disclaimer to say, that you really don't need to implement everything that I'm saying, but maybe you could take a few nuggets or things that you're like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like, uh, I'd like to give that a go. And if that's the case, cool. So let's dive on in. But before I do that, I would be remiss not to tell you about today's sponsor, which is Hanu Health. That's my company. I co-founded it with two of my buddies, John and Chris. We're a health tech company. And that's not going to tell you a lot right now, but it will. And if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening on this uh, to this on a podcast, uh, maybe that by this time that you're listening, you already know what we're doing. We're doing something pretty amazing in the health technology space, in the HRV space, in the biofeedback space, in the breathwork space, stress resiliency space. Eh, maybe you can hint or you maybe you get catch my drift or you catch my hints. But if you want to know about us, want to know what we're doing, especially if you're listening to this earlier rather than later, the best way to do this is to go to hanuhealth.com slash waitlist, hanuhealth.com slash waitlist. And what that's going to be able to provide you is access to all information, all of the blogs that we put out there, the articles that we write, talking about a lot of our advisors and influencers, you know, social media posts, things like our YouTube channel updates. But most importantly, is that you're going to get access Number one, to first knowing what we're doing. Number two, to put your name on that list to get what we're going to provide sooner than anyone. So you're not going to want to miss this. You really need to go on to hanuhealth.com slash waitlist and put your name on there immediately because not to create a sense of urgency, but to create a sense of urgency, uh, the spots are not going to ever be filled per se. Um, but let's just say it's racking up to the point right now where if you don't get your name on there soon, like it could delay your accessibility to what we're going to provide again, all cryptic in nature, kind of fun for me not maybe not so fun for you but it will be fun for you when you get your hands on what we're going to on what we're making which looks beautiful by the way and then also too you're going to get it sooner than anybody if you get your name on that list honeyhealth.com/waitlist all right now let's jump into my morning routine i'm going to talk really about my it's not my morning routine sorry daily routine what i'm going to talk about today is really like how do i optimize mental and physical performance uh, mental and physical well-being and health. And I really, it's going to give you the overview of the why. Like, why do I do this? Because everything that I do, a part of my daily routine 
is on purpose. Uh, I chose all of these things because again, of the years of research um, and, and just the amount of hours and time that I put into testing these things out and knowing what works for me and what doesn't. What works for me may not work for you, and what works for you may not work for me. Uh, I've tried a lot of things. I put a lot of time, hours, money, effort into this, and I found out what is optimal for me. But again, you got to find out what's optimal for you. And maybe that means that you choose to try some of these things that I'm going to talk about today, which is cool. Like, that's great. I want you to be able to do that, but I'm not providing any formal recommendations. So let's just be clear with that. I'm just talking to you all about what I do and the why. I do it. And it's because again, I've tested these things. So these are going to be things like my morning routine, like what are my supplements that I'm taking? Like what's my exercise routine? Uh, what are these, you know, biohacks or so-called biohacks that I engage in, which eh, a little opposed to that term, but it, it, so-called biohacks. Um, what's my breath work and HRV training routine? A lot of people ask about that. Uh, what do I do like with my work at Hanu as the chief scientific officer and co-founder? And we'll just get into, you know, a lot more. So again, uh, this is my routine. Also too, this is what works for me in the sense that like I can create everything as a part of my daily habit. Uh, and this is sustainable for me and it may not be sustainable for you. However, the other disclaimer that I'll say is that these things do change at times. Like I'm, I'm not just kind of this person who's not malleable. Like I want to do things that work for me, but also try different things and then replace things that maybe used to work for me, but don't work for me or is not as effective nowadays. So things change. Like right now it's what, uh, January 25th, 2022. You asked me this in six months and maybe half the stuff I'm doing now is gone. Well, not likely because I've been doing a lot of these things consistently, but they could be. So that's the other disclaimers. Gonna be like a thousand disclaimers in this podcast. Whatever. Okay, let's start with the morning routine, which is like the one where like everybody asks me about. I think it's like the most popular one nowadays because people just realize that like getting a good start to your day and a good finish. So we'll talk about sleep at the end of this podcast. That a good start to the day is extremely important. Um, and it's extremely important for many reasons, but it really kind of sets the stage. For the rest of the day with that, though, it doesn't mean that if you miss your morning routine or you miss an aspect of your morning routine, that it needs to derail the rest of the day. Certainly not saying that. But what I'm saying is that it can offer a great means to set the stage for the entire day. So there's that. So let's start off. What time do I wake up? I wake up every single day including the weekends because my body has become adapted to this and they got that could slightly change but it's not much even if i want to sleep and i don't i wake up at 5 a.m every single day that's just me um and some people would be like oh, that's not early enough you know i'm a jocko i wake up at you know 4 4 30 and some people are like dude that's crazy i don't wake up until seven or something or eight or nine or like i have buddies of mine who went to college with who still wake up at like nine or ten Crazy, man. Crazy to me. I wake up at 5 a.m. Um, I wake up by two means. So, and a lot of people ask this, so like, how do you wake up? You wake by up by like, you know, the jarring alarm that's on your iPhone or, you know, like an alarm clock, or do you wake up by like, you know, one of those sun, what do they call it? It's like the Phillips or whatever, the sunlight things that light up your room. My wife may not appreciate that, even though she wakes up almost every day at the same exact time as me. That's because I'm a big guy. Like I'm six foot five, even though I'm trying to get out of the bed gently. Like sometimes I don't get out of the bed very gently. So she just generally wakes up and comes downstairs with me uh, whenever I go downstairs. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So I wake up at five. How do I wake up? I do not wake up by a jarring Apple alarm clock. It's that annoys like the tar out of me. I couldn't do that. I actually wake up via haptics. You know, and haptics are like a vibe motor that's in can be in a watch, it can be in a whoop strap, it can be in a Garmin. And you can see on YouTube, like that's my Garmin Phoenix um, 6X, which is amazing. It's like a great data tracker in terms of exercise, fitness and recovery. Uh, but I actually set it either on that or I'll do it on my whoop. Um, so I've been testing out this whoop 4.0. And I can, I'll put on the alarm clock at five, and it'll just gently vibrate. And that'll wake me up that way. I'll tap it or just turn it off that way. Do I ever snooze? No, this is a David Goggins rule that I took for David from David Goggins. I never, ever, ever snooze. When that alarm goes off, I tap it and I throw off my eye mask, which I'll talk about my eye mask when we get to sleep. And then I go about my day. I carry on with my day. I do not snooze that button because me snoozing the button again, this is a David Goggins thing, not necessarily a J thing. It's become a J thing. David Goggins has indicated like if you start to snooze the button, then that's going to delay the rest of the day. That may mean then that you put off like doing another part of your morning routine that's really necessary for you. Maybe you cut into your exercise. Maybe you cut into whatever. So for me, a habit, uh, two things. I'll talk about making my bed here in just a second, which is another like David Goggins, Jordan Peterson thing, Uh, but making my bed, but we'll get to that. But waking up, and not pressing the snooze button. I used to wake up via the Uller sleep pad. I actually don't use the Uller anymore. Uh, I'll talk about that later and why that is. Um, the Uller is like from the company Chili Pad, and it would actually wake me up like around 4 a.m. It would start to heat up. So it would be really cold, like, you know, 60 degrees ish. And it would heat up around 4 a.m. So that temperature change would be the thing that would gently wake me up, which was phenomenal. Like, I think that's a really cool way to wake up. No pun intended, even though it's warm and not cool. I think that's a great way to wake up because it's so gentle. I just don't like the jarring alarms. I think that's a bad idea. I just don't think it's a great mental um, state or phase for me to be in. So I just always avoid any type of jarring alarm. So again, this is what I do. First thing I do, and then the first thing <laughs> that I do not do. So the first thing I do is I check heart rate variability, and I don't need to get into the whys of that. This is like why we do this podcast. Listen to the podcast I did with Marco. Listen to all my HRV Q and A's. You'll know why I do HRV checks first thing in the morning. I do a two to five minute reading, though. In my podcast that I had with Marco, a lot of the great research that he's been doing recently has indicated that you can get away with about one minute um, because the two to five minutes may give a little bit of extra stability in the data, more high fidelity shot, but it's not that significantly different from one minute take. So if you can get it done in 60 seconds, do it. I either do it one of two ways. I get out my phone and I use Elite HRV, or sorry, I use HRV for training. That's Marco's app. And I just use the optical sensor. So you can see on YouTube here, like just on your phone, like you just place your finger on the back of the camera like this, and then the light will shine. And that can actually accurately detect pulse rate. And we talked about this again with Marco and he's indicated too that from his research that he's done and validated, it is again, a validated approach for taking an accurate HRV snapshot. The other way I do it is I'll either put on um, a polar chest strap or the Skosh Rhythm 24 and use Elite HRV. And then maybe there's another company coming that you might have the ability to access and do a lot of these things in. Um, Hmm, I don't know. We'll see. In Anyway, I always check HRV. Why? That is going to be my means for knowing um, what is the status of my nervous system and compared to other days and compared to my previous week and compared to my previous uh, month, my overall baseline. 
The why is looking at nervous system recovery. It's looking at stress resiliency. Again, I don't want to go too deep into this because this would make for like a six hour podcast. Just check out my other podcast on the why I check HRV. Um, it's the reason we do this podcast. Do I check the data right away? So basically, do I look at the data? The answer is absolutely not. This is a personal preference thing. I'm going to tell you why, but I don't. The other thing I don't do either is I get out my phone and the only thing I do is I'll open up the app and I have to look at my phone to open up the app. I don't look at anything else. I don't check social media. I don't look at email. I do not you know, look at Wall Street Journal or <laughs> New York Times. I don't look at any of that stuff in the morning. I get my phone out, click on the app, I put it like, you know, I'll still lay in bed. It's nice and dark, lay in bed, take my reading. And then I don't check my scores. I put my phone down and then I head on to the shower. Um, now, a lot of people ask, like, do you check your aura score or your whoop scores during that time? And the answer still is no, I don't check HRV numbers I don't, on any type of application or from any wearable. And I don't check uh, my whoop or my aura score. All right. Next thing is my shower. And again, I'm getting a little bit granular here, but oh, people like this stuff. So let's talk a little granular about what I do in regards to my shower. Well, I typically uh, don't wear clothes. Um, so that's one thing just in case you were curious, <laughs> but uh, this shower is really like short and sweet. Um, I don't like to waste a lot of time with my shower. Um, this is generally not even necessarily to like clean myself. Uh, this one's really more for just like waking up and it's a part of my habit. I've just always done it. So depending on my schedule, I'll either do a hot or cold shower, but generally I'll do a cold, sorry, I'll do a hot shower. Cold shower comes later. Um, this again, just to kind of warm up the body, like easy way to wake up. Um, I could, you know, I could jar myself and do the cold shower, which I do later in the morning, uh, after exercise. But again, this is more just like to wake up five minutes. This is actually my mental prep and energy check-in time. This is when I check in subjectively. Remember, I don't check that objective data on my aura or on my whoop. I actually will check in subjectively. So what does that mean? Well, I'll look at my energy levels. Like, how am I feeling? Am I energetic right now or do I still feel sluggish? I love how Andrew Huberman always talks about how he does this like mental check-in as well in the morning uh, and the energy check-in. And he pretty much is like always true to himself. Like, I, I just feel tired like every single day and that's okay. I am like a morning person at heart, even pre-caffeine or coffee. I am a morning person. Like I am always energetic. So for the most part, I, I feel pretty energetic in the morning. Uh, stamina, like how do I feel in regards to uh, my ability to exert energy um, and then to do it for the rest of the day, my endurance throughout the day, check into that. I check into mood. Like how is my mood level? How is my stress level? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling depressed? Am I feeling, you know, you fill in the blank. I always check in with mood. And the last thing is like a recovery check-in, like soreness. Like I'm basically working out every single day and I are doing some form of workout every single day. And so I'll check in with my body to see like, am I feeling sore? Am I feeling like I've recovered well? Like what body part did I work out the previous day or two? Like check into those areas as well. Maybe any pain, which is typically not that existent anymore. Um, it was when I was uh, recovering from a knee injury, but now pretty good. Thanks to Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy. Uh, worked wonders on that end. All right. After a shower, I'll dry off and then I'll immediately go downstairs. Uh, I live in a two-story home, so I'll go downstairs. And the first thing I do is I drink a glass of molecular hydrogen water. 
That's molecular hydrogen water. I get mine from a website called Water and Wellness ran by Robert Slovak. I know him personally. Really good guy. Also makes the best products out there in regards to water filtration systems like the AquaTrue system, which is what I use. Berkey's an, another good one, but AquaTrue is like hands down my favorite. And then uh, Active H2 Ultra, which is his molecular hydrogen tabs. I generally take two of these and I throw them in probably about eight ounces of, of just lukewarm water that I filter out of my AquaTrue system. Um, and this is really intended to reduce a lot of inflammation uh, and really help with like the energy and stamina portion for the start of the day. It also gives me a good cognitive boost. There's some great research out there by Robert Slovak, Tyler LeBaron uh, on the role that active H2 or I should say molecular hydrogen can play an inflammation clearing, the reduction of free radicals, and then just an overall, um, it's a selective. The great thing about it is that it's it's selective in the sense that it goes and removes or filtrates, or um, I guess the best way would be uh, kind of saying it, 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 I don't know if eliminates a good word. Tyler, correct me on that one or Robert, correct me on that one if you hear it. It's more of like a ability to reduce free radicals that are damaging, but not reduce the free radicals that can actually be quite helpful. It's also based in magnesium. So it's really good for me from just a mood standpoint. And then also I just typically have to use the bathroom after I take this. So if you got GI issues, maybe it can be helpful. And it's probably the magnesium. Next thing I do is I'll make coffee. And this is what I battled with a little bit because there's some really good research and information like Andrew Huberman, whose name I'll probably drop like a thousand times in this podcast because I just have a man crush on Andrew Huberman because like he is just like the ultimate like scientist right now in my in my my book. And if you're not listening to the Huberman lab, like go listen to it. Like it's incredible stuff. He uh, says that you know you should probably delay coffee or caffeine intake 90 to 120 minutes after waking. And the reason for that is because uh, if you ingest caffeine too early, that can provide, um, because of the blockage of adenosine receptors, it can provide for a little bit more of a, uh, I guess you could say like a, I won't say the word relapse is probably not a good one, but it just, people typically crash a little bit earlier, like in the afternoon and feel sluggish. So if you want, if you delay coffee by 90, 120 minutes, say coffee because that's what I drink, but caffeine, uh, not, you know, Coca-Cola, <laughs> hopefully none of you are drinking Coca-Cola, but you know, some people are tea people, then that can help with that like afternoon crash and sluggishness and you know, the trying to reach for another cup of coffee at 1, 2 p.m., which is probably not the best thing, especially as it could potentially, depending on how you metabolize caffeine, dysregulate sleep. So I, I haven't done that. I'll just be completely honest with you. Like I typically drink my coffee rather early and that's for better or for worse uh, again but i think there's probably some truth and good in delaying 90 to 120 minutes and i think andrew huberman has talked about how that has been quite helpful for him that's been quite effective in reducing that afternoon sluggishness and crash uh people always ask what kind of coffee do i drink i drink keon i know a guy uh <laughs> know a couple guys uh, who give me a pretty good price on that Keon coffee um, or local. We actually have a local roaster here in Greenville. There's a lot of local roasters in Greenville, South Carolina that are great, but there's one in particular, West End Coffee Roasters. Going to give you guys the shout out. It's phenomenal coffee. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but I like Keon. You know, it's a low mycotoxin organic coffee. 
think it's single origin. I might be wrong on that, but it's really, really tasty. And I ground that fresh in the morning. So I always get whole bean. Now I ground it fresh in the morning. And then I use what's called a Technovorm Mocha Master. It is basically like a pour over, but it's a machine. So it's kind of all automated for the most part. And it makes the most spectacular pour over coffee where you don't have to do it yourself. Like it just pours over for you as a, as a machine. And it's incredible. The notes that you get from this coffee. Mm, so good. But I, I digress. So I'll drink generally um, two cups in the morning. Um, two cups are like eight ounce cups. So I'll, it's like 16 ounces in the morning. And uh, that's a fun start for me. Love it. This is also a good pre-workout for me too, because I work out in the morning. So this gives me a good caffeine jolt before I go in to crush it at the gym. Next thing I do is like a morning meditation and breath work. Uh, this is a non, <coughs> excuse me, this is a non-negotiable for me. Uh, and it should be, right? I mean, I'm a you know, breath work and HRV subject matter expert. So I should probably do some of that stuff. And, you know, Patrick and I talk about this all the time in our podcast about our daily routine, but I always build it in and it can be as little as like two to five minutes and as much as like 15 minutes. And a lot of that is based on some of my data. Um, if I look at my data prior to this and I do see that my HRV is uh, low, if my RMSSD is low, my HF is low, then what I will do is engage in a little bit longer of a session. And I'll typically either do like some type of oxygen advantage breathwork training or I'll do HRV biofeedback. Uh, so HRV biofeedback um, is via an app uh, that is amazing that I can't tell you about, but you can probably figure it out yourself. And then I do some mindfulness training as well. And I integrate mindfulness basically informally uh, into all of my practice, whether it's, you know, oxygen advantage breath work or HRV biofeedback. Mindfulness is, is always a component. Thing I also do in the morning after my breath work session is my morning readings. And this can be, you know, just spending um, anywhere from about 25 to 30 minutes looking at things like uh, research articles and seeing what's been published overnight in some of the larger Blue Ribbon journals. Uh, I have subscriptions and there's <clears throat> no political statement I'm trying to make here. Um, these are just the, I guess, publications that I've read for a long time and I enjoy and I pay for these. I pay for New York Times, I pay for the Wall Street Journal, and then I pay for Scientific American. And I pay for like the deluxe Scientific American that gives you the Scientific American uh, Journal as well, or I guess you call it magazine and publication, and then Scientific American Mind, Scientific American Health and Fitness, um, all of those together. So I really like that as a, as a go-to. And then I also read things like the Bible or other spiritual I'll engage in spiritual reading, spiritual journal as well. And this is, again, just a great way to start the day. And I'm learning and I'm growing. So that's great. What do I do next? Well, the next thing I do uh, before I go upstairs to like get you know dressed for the gym and get ready, uh, kind of finish out my morning routine is I take some supplements. And I will be the first to say that I'm not a huge supplements guy, even though I'm about to list supplements. And for those of you who like don't take hardly anything or, or nothing, are going to look at this and be like, are you kidding me? That sounds like a ton. I have tried basically everything out there in terms of supplements. Um, maybe not everything, but pretty close. A lot of stuff. I've spent a lot of money on supplements. As you all know, in the supplement industry, <laughs> you can spend a lot of money pretty quickly. But I've narrowed it down to the things that I have found to be the most effective for me. And when I take supplements, there's kind of two things that I'm looking at. Number one is recovery and, and health maintenance. So kind of what are those formulas? What are those supplements? What are those compounds that have been found in research to be the most effective for most people? 
Um, so people know about fish oil, right? I'll talk about the fish oil here in just a second. The other thing would be brain, cognitive, and mood support. So those are just really important components for me, especially as I get ready for my day. And so I take, <coughs> excuse me, take a couple of these uh, compounds really just for mood and and cognitive well-being. So what is my first one? Well, in the winter time only, because in the summertime, I don't really have a need for taking this because I will get these levels checked is vitamin D K2. I take one from Thorn. It is a liquid-based vitamin vitamin D and K2. You just turn the dropper up. I take about 10, 10 drops, which is uh, 5,000 IU. So that's 5,000 IU in the wintertime, really only. Again, in the summertime, don't really need it. And here in South Carolina, like we get... Um, short bouts of vitamin D for most of the year, but you know, starting in springtime, April-ish, uh, even late March-ish, um, that's kind of when I drop the vitamin D. But I do notice a good mood-boosting effect. I mean, there's so much great research out there on vitamin D and then the use of K2 as well, especially for the heart health component. Um, there's so much great research out there that supports this. That That's kind of a part of my staple in, in the wintertime. Great podcast I did with Dr. William Wallace, who we're going to do part two here soon. But he talked about about and excuse me let me go get the light back on for you youtubers the light turns off after like a certain amount of time which is super annoying maybe i should get that fixed uh anyway i did a great podcast with dr william wallace and we talk about this concept of uh vitamin d especially as it relates <clears throat> to mood and to overall health and well-being and just the immense amount of publications that are there for vitamin d so again 5000 iu thorn the next thing i take and give me a second so i can drink a little bit of water The next thing I take is a nitric oxide supplement called NEO40, NEO40. Uh, it is a tablet that is actually more like a lozenge than anything. You just throw it in, it dissolves in the tongue, and it is one of the most effective tools that I've ever seen for pre-workout pump. I'll talk about that here in just a second. And then also to uh, just overall cardiovascular health and HRV improvement. Uh, as far as supplements goes, I've not found anything that has been more effective than Neo40. Listen to the podcast. We can link to it in the show notes. The podcast that I did with Dr. Nathan Bryan, the most preeminent researcher in the field of nitric oxide. And he talks about the effects of the use of nitrates and nitrites, as well as things like beetroot powder to increase nitric oxide content, vasodilate the blood vessels, increase overall blood flow. I mean, this thing is incredible. So for me, that is a part of my daily morning routine. I also take it at night. I take kind of like a double dose because I'm a little crazy, but Neo 40, incredible. The next thing is fish oil. Um, so fish oil is a non-negotiable. What kind do I take? Well, I know a guy, Keon, uh, Keon Omegas. It's two pills or it's like two soft gels. Actually, it's a thousand milligrams or one gram of uh, fish oil. And it is like a EPA DHA, like 50, 50 split. Basically, I think it's like 530 milligrams EPA, 435 milligrams DHA and uh, Keon Omega is incredible. So if you, if you want like the best fish oil out there, Keon Omega is incredible. The next one is I take a magnesium supplement and this magnesium supplement may be one that you've heard, maybe not so much have heard, does that make sense? <laughs> it's called magnesium 
three and eight. I actually didn't know about magnesium three and eight and the research behind it until here we go again with his name. Andrew Huberman talked about it <coughs> on his podcast. He uses it a lot for sleep, but it's actually been found to have a lot of brain boosting, uh, cognitive mood lifting uh, effects to it. And so I take magnesium three and eight. I take three capsules in the morning. It's 144 milligrams. Um, and again, just really great for overall mood, brain health, and cognition. I focus really well with magnesium three and eight. I take a, uh, I have no affiliation to this company, um, but I take one uh, from a company called Jaro Formulas. It's called MagMind. Granted, and do just because people are going to probably write this in the comments. Magnesium three and eight from what I've seen is the most expensive type of magnesium that I've found. Um, it's pricey. So don't judge me like and get mad because you want to take it and you see that it's really expensive. Like just know like going into it, it tends to be on the pricier side. Another one I take is L-theanine, L-theanine, which comes from green tea leaf. Um, and I generally will take a, anywhere from 100 to 200 milligrams. And this one is just really good for cognition and focus and mood, but also helps to offset any of the potential jitters that people can get from caffeine for me, for, from coffee. So I find that it's a really good kind of balancing effect to take the L-theanine to help offset any of those potential jitters or, you know, kind of the shakes that you might get from, you know, maybe the kind of the offset that crash that coffee or caffeine can have. Um, the next thing, and this is my last staple, is Kinton. So Kinton is a sea mineral um, uh, infused. No, I won't say infused. It's just naturally occurring. It's uh, minerals that are found in seawater off of fresh plankton blooms in the ocean. And so there's great podcasts that Ben Greenfield has done with Robert Slovak of Water and Wellness. And that's where I get it, by the way, Water and Wellness. But I take Kintone. I take the hypertonic um, ampule. Or if I'm not feeling so well, if I'm feeling a little bit ill, I'll take isotonic. And isotonic is really the diluted version that is supposed to be more similar to blood plasma. So it can help when people are sick. So I believe that Robert Slovak calls isotonic the medicine while the uh, vitamin, maybe he calls it or like the supplement would be hypertonic, which is what I take one day. One ampule. It's like these glass little containers that you just break off the ends down the hatch and you're good to go. It's very salty. So again, the supplements I take in the morning that are like my non-negotiables right now, vitamin DK2, Neo 40, Kion Omega, which is fish oil, magnesium three and eight, uh, L-theanine, Quinton, and that's it. The optional ones that I take, <coughs> excuse me, the optional ones that I take would be Qualia Mind by Neurohacker Collective. This is if I'm having like an extremely cognitively demanding day. So Qualia Mind is and it's probably the most incredible nootropic that I've taken because it's an absolute shotgun formula and it never, ever for me gives me a crash. Again, I don't, I'm not connected to this company. I don't receive any royalties, any commission. I just take it. I pay for it out of my own money that I pay myself from Hanu and that you pay me by watching YouTube videos <laughs> and I, I get my quality of mind and I take it if I'm having a really cognitively demanding day. So if I wake up and I start work sometimes at like 530, like if it's just a crazy day, I'll start work at 530. And then let's say I have one of those days where I'm you know teaching or I'm lecturing at a university until 9 p.m. or so. Like that's a really long day and I need kind of that extra boost. So I'll take a little nootropic compound called qualia mind. And I take the caffeine free version, by the way, I just don't like extra caffeine. Uh, it just 
gives me a little bit jitters. It has a lot of great things in it, like L-theanine, alpha-GPC, phosphocetylsterine. It's got ginkgo biloba. It's got rhodiola. So a lot of these adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms. And it's it's incredible. The other one I'll take, which is, again, just optional. Um, sometimes I'll kind of bounce back and forth between qualiamine and alpha brain by on it, which is another just really, really good one. And if I haven't already like checked, um, and that's my supplement routine at this point in the day, if I haven't already checked my phone, I'll go ahead and look at it. Um, and again, I still don't do like social media stuff this early in the morning. Cause we're talking about, this is probably about six ish, um, six 30. Uh, I will, I will actually just look at my aura score, whoop score, check my elite HRV or HRV for training score. And then use that as a good guide. Again, I don't want them to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I've already checked in subjectively. Right now, I'm just kind of checking in to see scores. Again, always self-comparison, no normative comparison. And that dictates kind of, again, maybe training load. Um, what do I do that day for recovery? What do I do that day on top of what I'm already doing for stress resiliency in regards to biofeedback and so forth? So it's just really helpful. All right. What is my workout and pre-workout routine? Because that's my next thing I do. So I leave my house generally around six or six 30 in the morning and I'm headed to the gym. Now, I don't even think I need to speak to the role of exercise on mental health and physical health. Um, it's out there. Like I don't, it's, it's almost kind of a joke for me to mention that. Uh, I think you all probably know that there are immense mental, physical, cognitive, um, and I would even argue spiritual benefits of, of exercise. Uh, I would just about drop everything I do in my daily routine and keep it if it was the only thing that I could keep. And that's because I have found that the most powerful means of affecting physiological and psychological change uh, and cognitive change as well, we'll throw that one on there, so brain health, is exercise. Like it's that's that's it for me. Like it, it truly is like the number one thing that I think anybody could do, and that research says you should be doing for your overall physical and mental well-being. So enough said. I don't need to quote the research there. Like Google.com that one, and you're gonna get hundred thousand papers plus. Okay. Do I take any supplements prior to workout? Um, used to take like all the pre-workouts. It was like, you know, C4 and back in the day it was Inno Explode by like BSN. Like that was back in like the college days, which I'm kind of aging myself because that was like getting close to 20 years, which is nuts, like nuts that it was like 20 years ago I was in college. But anyway, what do I take pre-workout? It's pretty simple, actually. Um, it's uh, I do take s- some supplements. Uh, the first one, which is the absolute staple, it's this guy right here if you're looking on YouTube. It's Keon creatine. They use a form of creatine called uh, uh, Crea Pure, which is like the purest form of creatine. The great thing about creatine is that like you do not need to do anything crazy, like five milligrams, and you don't need to go out and buy kind of like the ones with advanced marketing. Like it's pretty inexpensive to buy good creatine monohydrate, especially Crea Pure <clears throat> by Keon. Again, like I, I love Keon because I get a deal on Ogai, but also too, they make the most vetted and validated products that I found out there. So I trust them. So I take that. The next thing, and this is kind of like, again, what Ben Greenfield calls the Swiss army knife of exercise supplements, Keon Aminos. So it doesn't matter if I'm going for a run and doing like zone two training, or if I'm going to do a hard workout. So like, let's say hit training, or I'm going to do resistance or weight training. 
uh, essential amino acids. So when we talk about protein synthesis, when we talk about recovery, when we talk about feeding the muscles what it needs in order to uh, increase level of endurance and stamina, essential amino acids are there. Do I take BCAAs? No. There's a lot of uh, harm. I won't say that. That might be too strong of a word. There, uh, there, There's way more research on the effectiveness of the use of EAAs or essential amino acids as opposed to BCAAs. Um, there's a lot of things that BCAAs include and also do not include because essential amino acids has BCAAs in it um, that you do miss out on if you take just BCAAs. So Keon, essential amino acids. The other one is uh, by the company um, Human, or um, I think it's called Human Power of N, which is a really weird name. But uh, they create a supplement called Super Beats, which is again, a vasodilatory type supplement that helps with pump, what helps with vasodilation. Uh, it helps with you know the ability to deliver the other things that I'm taking in a faster, more dense way to cells for use and for recovery. So I take Super Beats as well. So I got like that Neo 40 tacked on Super Beats in the morning, like pumped up, ready to go. How often do I work out? I generally work out six to seven days a week. And that might sound like a lot to people. Um, and because it kind of is, but I stratify it and I'm always looking to, to work my tail off. I work really hard in the gym or, you know, wherever I'm working out, but I try to attain the minimal dose effect. So I'm not spending four hours in the gym. I generally will spend, an hour and up to an hour and a half total. That includes my sauna session. So I'll talk about it here in a second, but I do work out six to seven days a week. About four or five days of that is uh, resistance training. Uh, so weight training, and then three to four uh, days are zone two cardio. So again, 45 to 60 minutes is generally like what I do with resistance training. And then about 45 minutes for zone two training, a uh, good podcast by Peter Atia, where he interviewed Anigo San Milan, who's a researcher in zone two has indicated that that 45 minute range is kind of the sweet spot for zone two. Now where you really get the effective dose, which I generally do again, like three to four days a week. Zone two is usually running, uh, but it can also be on the bike. I've done it on the rower as well, but rower is a little bit difficult for me to keep at the zone two level. Biking is really hard for me to keep at the zone two level as well. Running, I know my sweet spots there. Normally tracking either via Garmin watch by looking at heart rate, um, or I will measure lactic acid, which is the best way to do it. I'm not going to get into all of that, but the podcast, I think Peter Atia did a Q&A on how to use lactic acid or lactate as a means to measure whether or not you were in zone two or if you overtrained and got out of zone two. So listen to that podcast. It's, it's really good. Uh, uh, one of the things that I do prior to my workout, so I'll get to the gym and I'll actually go into the sauna and do some stretching, some foam rolling, really just kind of work out uh, whatever I can to loosen the body up and go, to go in a little bit fresh. M more of my stretching routine and rolling routine comes after my workout. Um, but it does happen prior to workout as well. I think the research is more supportive of the post-workout rolling and yoga and, uh, you know, fascia stretching. I, I tend to do that a little bit more. And I do that when I'm in the sauna afterwards, talk about here, 
hit here in a second. How do I choose my workout routine? So it's a great question because I don't do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Uh, don't think the research really supports that. Um, un unless there are, uh, I should kind of even back that statement up by, or I should say reverse that statement by saying there are certain circumstances where doing something over and over and over again. So adding volume to something you do really well can be effective. That's a Ben Pakulski thing that I'll talk about here in a second. But really, my changes are, are going to be kind of built upon a lot of what Ben Pakulski, uh, ben Pakulski teaches in his muscle intelligence platform. So if you're not familiar with Ben, and check out BPAC. Like his, his information's incredible. It's deeply rooted in science and evidence. Uh, he is a uh, former, he might even not be former. He might be still technically be like an IFBB pro bodybuilder. Uh, but he was at the top of his game, um, you know, and on top of the sport of bodybuilding and has created an amazing program called the, you know, muscle intelligence program. And uh, I follow a lot of his, his work. We're good friends as well. So Ben, thank you for everything that you've done on that end. Cause it's really helped to change my mindset my workout routine, kind of the way I uh, approach bodybuilding. Uh, and I use that word bodybuilding pretty loosely. Uh, I would say kind of training, you know, working out. And it's because for me, like I just utilized old bro science for the longest time until I heard your, heard your stuff. I also use an app called FitBod, which I really like. It generates like via AI uh, workouts. It's F-I-T-B-O-D, FitBod. It's a really good one as well. Uh, but again, most of the things are coming from muscle intelligence. A lot of times I do a lot of push-pull routines. Um, so push-pull routines uh, could be either, you know, using muscles um, that contract when you push or via muscles that contract when you pull. So again, that, that varies from day to day. The biggest thing, and again, I'm going to you know continue to toot uh, Ben Pakulski's horn here. The biggest thing for me that has been, I would say, the most dynamic change over the last year or so is really working out with intention, focusing on what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and then how I do it. It's such a huge component. Now, the, there's always kind of been this discussion of like the mind-body connection, and that is extremely important. Um, for me, that has been like an ultra focus for me. Like how can I focus and really hone in on the what, the how, and the why of what I'm doing when I work out, the contraction of the muscle throughout the duration of the workout, what I'm doing with my other body parts during the workout, where is my mind? So that's a huge component. I'm off the cell phone the entire time I work out, unless I'm using FitBot, which is kind of like showing me what am I doing next and then timing me on sets, timing me for recovery. But for the most part, I'm off my cell phone, no social media. There's great research that Ben and I have talked about on his podcast about how you can actually significantly reduce your overall performance and recovery when working out and being on social media on the cell phone. So for me, I don't. Um, what music do I listen to when I work out? It tends to be podcasts or audiobooks. Um, I tend to listen to pretty easygoing things. I work hard still, but I listen to easygoing things. And then when the sets get really tough, I might increase and listen to some harder music. And there's good research out there on that as well. Now, if you want to increased overall endurance and performance that listening to something a little bit more mellow throughout the workout until it gets a little bit like you need like that extra juice can be quite effective. Ben and I did a podcast on that as well. One thing I do focus on a lot now is volume. Uh, and, and I love this idea that BPAC talks about is that you find an exercise that you do well, and then you do it six, eight, 
10 sets. You increase that load and that volume. And the reason being is because some of us do things really well that work for our bodies. And sometimes we do things just because we think they should be good. Like there are some people who think that, oh, like barbell bench press is like the one thing that everybody should be doing because everybody does it. Not necessarily for some people doing a dumbbell press as opposed to a barbell press can be way more effective for them. And they have that better mind body connection. They have better stability. It's a, it's, it's a movement that's better for them. Uh, so there's, that's one notion there. The other notion too, is this idea that you have to do like three sets of everything, three sets of 10, right? That's the kind of the old bro science, three sets of 10. Whereas like, I like that BPAC talks about this idea, like find one you do really, really well and that you have a great connection with your body on and do it six eight, 10 sets, just increase that volume. Maybe you limit the amount of actual exercises you do, but you increase the volume and training load and sets for that one thing you do really well. So I love that idea. That's actually something that I've been really trying to focus on within the past probably six months or so. One thing I also do when I'm working out is I do a lot of breath work and rest when I am resting. So when I'm resting, I'm not on my phone. I'm not just sitting there with my head buried down. I certainly like, I'm just not just, you know, chitter chattering with everybody in the gym, which is like one of the most annoying things. I have my headphones in um, so, you know, I can avoid and isolate. Not saying that's a good thing, by the way, but for me, I got to get in and get out. Uh, I I got other things I got to do and a lot of people do. So some people don't. So for me, I will do breath work. Um, so a rest is what we call working in and working in instead of, you know, we, we, you know, just kind of being distracted by other things. I'll enhance that parasympathetic flow. I'll engage in breath work kind of throughout that time, which is quite helpful. Now, when I'm done, um, after my workout, I'll take a couple of supplements. Again, not a lot. I like to take uh, Keon whey protein, uh, which is a great form of uh, whey isolate. It's a very pure form of whey. And some people for them, whey doesn't agree with them. Uh, I love the pure form that Keon um, offers. So I take one scoop of whey, the unflavored kind. I do two scoops of Keon colostrum uh, for recovery as well. And then I do two scoops of Vital Farms collagen protein. So it's a combination of whey, colostrum, and two scoops of collagen protein, which generally gives me, I think you know, I calculated it, it was right around 50, 55 grams of protein for my post-workout shake. And uh, it's super tasty as well, but it's great, amazing for recovery. Uh, when I'm traveling, things look a little bit different. So I'm gonna talk a little bit more about my post-workout routine in a second. When I travel, it's a little bit different. I do a lot of body weight workouts, so you know, a lot of push-ups, air squats, you know, sit-ups, uh, lunges, those types of things. I also bring along my BFR bands my blood flow restriction bands, which are phenomenal uh, for me when I travel because it really helps to uh, increase uh, ATP production, increase human growth hormone, and then uh, do a lot for just kind of like rushing so much blood, oxygen, nutrient delivery to the muscles when I don't have access to weights. I also do a lot of zone two training when I'm traveling and I travel a lot. Um, And so zone two training is just put on the shoes and go for a run and I track, you know, via my watch. Um, do a lot of hit. So high intensity interval training or hurt training as well. High intensity repeat training when I'm traveling as well. And I do that too. I intermittently mix, um, maybe one to two sessions of hit or hurt every single week. But when I travel, sometimes I'll up it. Um, cause I like to work out intensely actually when I travel, um, and the best way to work out intensely during travel for me is always doing some type of high intensity training. And the last thing is I do a lot of yoga. 
when I travel as well, a lot of, you know, slow movement, um, mind, body, breath connection as well. It's another great, great thing to include, uh, post-workout routine. So immediately when I'm done after my shake, I will get into the sauna and I, this is probably, probably my favorite part of my whole routine is sauna. Now there is so much phenomenal research out right now on sauna. Listen to David Sinclair's work, uh, Rhonda Patrick's work on sirtuin activation and what sauna can do for that. Uh, for me, like it is a non-negotiable, like I'm in the sauna generally around four to five times a week. So pretty heavily. I use a Swedish sauna, like you, you can use an IR or an infrared sauna. There's pretty good research on it for me. I like how hot Swedish saunas get. Uh, I like that I don't have to spend as much time in it. I mean, uh, the sauna I use is like 180 to 220 degrees. So when it's a 220 day, like it's a rough day, like it's tough. It feels great for five minutes and the rest of the time, the next 15, it's pretty tough. Um, and then I'll, sometimes I'll use infrared sauna. So I have uh, one of those higher dose blankets for travel, which I actually find better than, you know, the actual stand up, uh, I guess you could call them, yes, stand up infrared saunas. I, I like it because it just kind of wraps. You can't move, so you can't do like stretching and yoga, but the higher dose blankets are pretty incredible. How long do I do it? Well, per the research um, that has come out out of Sweden, Rhonda Patrick did an interview with the guy. I don't, I can't remember, recall his name, so pardon me. Uh, I do 19, uh, not, sorry, you can reduce all cause mortality. Sorry, let me repeat that. All cause mortality by 40% via sauna usage. If you are in for 19 minutes, three to four days a week. So 19 minutes is kind of like that number that most people try to get to. Listen, I'm crazy, man. I'm crazy. I'll go 20 to 25. Watch out. So I generally do 20 is the absolute minimum. And sometimes like if it's 220 degrees, like 20 is like, okay, I'm good. But normally it's about 25 minutes or so. Um, you know, again, there's no drug out there that can touch a reduction of 40% in all cause mortality. Like that's insane numbers. So for me, if sauna is not part of your routine, you really need to consider it. So again, four to five times a week, I like to kill two birds with one stone, basically in everything I do in life. But for me, I will do a lot of movement, a lot of stretching, a lot of breathing, a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga posing. Like all those, those things are great. In my sauna, I you know go to a sauna where we can fit probably 15 people in that Swedish sauna. And the cool thing about it is that it's one that you can pour the water on and it gets like super freaking hot. It's amazing. Um, so, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm conscientious of anybody if they're there like i don't like try to get all up in their business but if there's nobody in there which happens a lot i'm moving i'm doing breath work it's great i also will like listen to some podcasts in the sauna um so you know i'll just kind of bring in i have like an old ipod touch i'll listen to an audiobook or a podcast when i'm in there as well i'm just trying to learn trying to do whatever i can um to kill as many birds with one stone like i've mentioned that can be good and bad at times but take it for what it is which is awesome for me and then me too like when the sauna gets really hard, again, there's like 220 days, like just really embrace it, like embrace that suck. And for me, the best way to do that is to connect to my breath, connect to my heart, feel the heartbeat uh, when the going gets tough and just connect with the body and embrace it. 
how do I finish? I finish with cold exposure. Um, so after I'm done with my sauna for 20, 25 minutes, I'll go jump in a cold shower immediately. Um, this is kind of based on what's called the Soberg principle. So Susanna Soberg, who wrote an amazing article on uh, cold thermogenesis, written multiple articles and, and books on cold thermogenesis and how we should uh, end by shivering and end by shaking. And that's to be kind of like the, the point of uh, getting in the cold. Um, that's kind of where, what I base this, off, base this off of. So for me, I do about three minutes in the cold shower. So that's just allowing the cold water to hit all over my body and my head, on the back of my neck, uh, on my shoulders, like kind of where the vagus nerve runs down the sides of the, the neck on the lateral sides. I just fully embrace three minutes of really cold, cold water. And then after three minutes, I air dry because I typically don't shiver in the cold shower. It gets pretty cold, but I don't shiver in the shower with the water on me. It's when I turn it off and I just stand there and allow myself to air dry, I'll start to shiver. And I generally will give it about 30 seconds of shivering and then I'll just use my towel. Um, but I always, always, always get to the point of shivering. So sauna, 20 minutes three or so minute shower, cold, ice cold, as cold as it gets. And then I will shiver by air drying four to five times a week. In general, I do that. All right. So like, this is like, <laughs> it's like 8am now. So the rest of the stuff I'm going to kind of more or less breeze through because, oh man, we've been going for almost, <coughs> excuse me, an hour and we're at 8am. Um, I generally will get to work around 8 a.m., 8.30 a.m. If it's a non-training day, which doesn't happen very often, I'll get to work at like 6.30. The first thing I do, the first 15 to 20 minutes, I'll walk into my office, I will put my bags down, and I actually go to the ninth floor of my building, the ninth floor terrace. The reason I do that is because the first thing I want to do when I get to work is get about 15 to 20 minutes of sunlight. And I actually do like my daily work prep. So like my prep for the rest of the day up on the ninth floor. Uh, there's a couple of reasons I do that. Yes. One sunlight. And most of the time I'm able to get it. And even if it's cloudy and cold outside, I still go get it because that level of sunlight is still effective. Uh, so I go and get the sunlight, but then I also will look off into the distance, into the horizon because I'm on the ninth floor and I face, you know, one area is kind of looking more towards like the backside of the city. And the other area is looking out towards the Blue Ridge Mountains, which are phenomenal. You can see like Table Rock Park and a lot of the cool um, places for my ninth floor. And for me, I mean, that's such a great means of kind of setting a sense of safety, a security, and it's also great for eye health and focus. And I'll also walk around the terrace while I'm doing my mental daily prep or prep kind of for, for, for the rest of the day. And the great thing that that helps to do is to get sunlight, yes, but also increase what's called optic flow. Here we go. Huberman again, he talks about this idea of uh, creating optic flow to get the brain going, uh, to get focus going, and also great for eye health as well. And then I'll do some stretching and movement um, as well if I'm still feeling like a little bit like more on the sore side. After I'm done with that, I'll come back downstairs and then I do deep work for about two to three, sometimes four straight hours. Now, deep work um, is... Uh, it is deep. And what I mean by that is that I allow for zero distraction. There's no social media. Um, there's really no taking like phone calls unless <laughs> it's a scheduled part of my deep work. Um, it's like everything is disconnected and I'm fully immersed. I have just found that for me, that level of structure gives me the 
biggest bang for, for the buck. And I can be very productive throughout the day and feel great about it. I have different day splits. So for here at Hanu, I do like product days and content days, products days, days are the days that we're working on Hanu health product content days is where I'm doing this. So today is a Tuesday. This is a content day uh, for me. So I'm recording this podcast and recording like, I think two more today. So Ooh, here we go. We're bringing it to you guys. <laughs> We're bringing it. Uh, but it's good. It's just good for me to know like what is going to be my focus for that day. Like I know what to expect. And again, that structure is really helpful. When I'm deep working, I'm here at my desk. So right now, if you're watching on YouTube, like I, I'm at my standing desk. Um, so here in my office, like I have my standing desk here and I'm almost always standing throughout the day. I'm all almost always standing. I do a ton of computer work. And I also use um, this thing called a fluid stance. It looks like a surfboard. It's down here right now. I'm not on it right now because sometimes it can be a little bit wobbly. If you're looking on YouTube, this is my fluid stance, which is incredible. This thing is so good. It just helps to increase the heart rate. It's also fun, um, but it's like a little balance board that you put at your standing desk. So I, oh, I love that thing. Um, so yeah, fluid stance. Um, the only things I do during this deep work other than working is like drink water, use the bathroom and work like that's, that's it. I also do what's called Pomodoro splits or Pomodoro breaks. So I will work for 25 minutes and I'll set a timer like on my phone or on my watch. I'll set a timer, work for 25 minutes. Once that 25 minutes is done, then I'll take a five minute break. And my five minute break is always a workout break, a movement break. It's kettlebell swings, push-ups, pull-ups, body squats, walking. It is still a part of my deep work cycle, but I'm getting some movement in. And I do this for four cycles. So four cycles of 25 minutes with five minute breaks. And then I get a 15 minute break to do whatever I want. And I could do social media. I could do, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I can do more movement. I can get on the phone. Like I can do whatever I want. I can turn on my TV. That's right back there do what I want. <laughs> so that's my, my prize. Uh, during the day, almost every call that I take is on a walk. So anytime I take a call, I put my headphones in, go outside and I walk. Uh, and I love, love, love doing that. I have a kind of a high walking step goal. Um, it's actually not that high. I, I like the idea of 10,000. <laughs> that is a very arbitrary goal. The reason actually they came up with this idea of 10,000 steps was there was a Japanese pedometer company um, that just kind of randomly caught, I think they called their pedometer 10K or, or yeah, maybe like 10K or something like that, which doesn't kind of make sense because I think they use kilometers in Japan and it's not 10 kilometers, it's 10,000 steps. Uh, but they called it something like that. It was just this arbitrary number. They're like, yeah, people should you know, walk 10,000 steps. What the research actually says is that um, that actually the six, sorry, the 7,000 to 8,000 step range is actually found to be the most effective. Anything beyond that isn't detrimental, but it isn't necessarily additive. So really you should aim for about seven to 8,000 ish steps. Anything beyond that is great. It doesn't just, it does, it just doesn't appear that there's a significant gain that you get from going longer because I'm on the phone all the time and I do a lot of walking. I actually generally get about 15,000. So the 10,000 step mark is super easy. 10, 000, uh, 15,000 is where I'm normally at, at the very end of my day, not my work day. See, like right now, um, it's pretty early still, uh, but I'm about 7,000 steps and we're at basically like uh, 1040 in the morning. So yeah, I get in a fair amount throughout the day. Uh, the next thing I do is uh, eat. I haven't talked about that yet. People might have asked, like, are you fasting? And it's an interesting question, right? Because I do take some supplements like whey protein and stuff in the morning. Um, it's such a minimal amount of caloric intake that you 
it's technically not fasting, <clears throat> but I kind of consider it still a fast. It's certainly a low caloric intake uh, throughout the morning, but generally I will break my fast around 12 or 1 p.m. Um, and again, break my fast. I use that loosely. Don't yell at me in the comment section saying that you're not fasting. Technically, I'm not fasting. Like I broke that in the morning with my protein shake, uh, but it's such low caloric density um, that I'm still gaining a lot of the fasting effects, even though I technically have already broke my fast. Um, one of the things I do like to add, like if I just keep on fasting, cause sometimes I'll forget to eat. I'll just kind of like blast right through it is I'll add these guys in. It's called KE4 ketone esters. Um, uh, my, uh, friend, uh, Frank Yosa, who was on the podcast, who talked about this and the cool, like hard ketones, the ketone alcohol that are the substitute for alcohol. Um, it, this is one of the great things that I will use. It's just like a super big pick me up cognitive boost, like really gets me going. It's a great replacement for any type of desire that I might have for caffeine or for coffee. So I'll throw in the ketone esters, uh, content for lunch. So what do I eat? It's almost always leftovers. Remember how I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, I am a huge creature of habit, which means that at my household, we tend to eat the same things and we kind of know the schedule like Monday night, for instance, that's always salmon night, always salmon night. Uh, and so we kind of know like what we're going to be eating throughout the week. So I like to either, <coughs> excuse me, generally make more of what we are eating and then kind of take that and eat it for lunch. So, I mean, Tuesday is a salmon day for lunch for me because we ate salmon previously. So I'll make a little bit extra. A lot of times I'll break it with like grass fed beef. Avocado is a big one. Um, kind of crazy enough right now. I'm doing kind of like a bastardized version of carnivore where I really just kind of eat, um, you know, meats and then like some fruit and some honey. That's about it. Um, I do eat, so like a little bit of avocado, technically a fruit. It's a seeded, seeded plant, seeded fruit. And so I'll eat a little bit of avocado as well. I just eat a lot of like higher protein and fat for lunch and then save a little bit more of my carbohydrates for the evening. And uh, carbohydrates generally when I'm not doing a bastardized carnivore diet is I'll do, you know, some rice or sweet potato or like sauteed veggies or broccoli. Like I enjoy those things. Like uh, for me, eating this bastardized carnivore diet isn't that difficult, um, especially when I add or uh, allow myself the lenience of a little bit of fruit here and there. Um, but I mean, I love carbs. Like I love like veggies. Like I understand that there are some chemical plant compounds that can be detrimental um, to the body. However, um, I'm willing to kind of take that hit and view it as a hormetic stressor just because I enjoy it. So that enjoyment factor is huge for me. Um, one thing I haven't talked about too is water intake. So how much water do I drink? I generally get in about 120 ounces a day. So about a gallon. Um, and that's not including coffee. And again, I mentioned earlier, I drink about 16 ounces of coffee a day. I'll also mix in uh, some herbal tea and then mostly not even herbal. I drink a fair amount of mushroom tea, not doing it right now. My you know, carnivore-ish diet, uh, but I will drink some mushroom tea. I like cordyceps, lion's mane, uh, uh, reishi, like a lot of those are really helpful for me. Um, I drank filtered water via my aqua true system. This is a four stage, uh, uh, system. You can find them. I think it's like aqua true.com aqua and then true T R U no E and or at water wellness, water and wellness. I probably has it as well, but I always add in trace minerals or I'll add in like a thing, a quinton, like the hypertonic into like a gallon or so, maybe half gallon of water just to help to replenish electrolytes, replenish some of those vital, uh, vital um, minerals that you need. 
as well. And that's all the minerals are removed from the AquaTrue system or most like reverse osmosis filters will remove and strip the water of vitamin content, but also takes out all the really bad garbage that you do not want in your water. And so for me, it's just a matter of adding it back, back in and I actually like the flavor too. So like adding trace minerals, adding in Kinton can be super, super helpful. Um, I also cut a lemon and put that lemon in to my gallon jug. So you can actually see this is like the grass that I bring. This is a, a 70 ounce growler that I bring on top of another couple water bottles that I have each day. I think this is probably like for like keeping, you know, good craft beer, like nice and cold and, you know, carbonated. I just found it like at Costco. I was like, ah, this will work well to take to work. So I use it. I'll actually uh, slice an organic lemon and squeeze a whole lemon in there. That's for added taste, but also added electrolyte content and uh, vitamin mineral content as well that are found in lemons. Now, I just have to be careful with like the enamel of your teeth to like not allow a lot to kind of sit in the mouth and drink the teeth. So a lot of times I'll either use a straw or like with my this bottle that I drink out of my tequila, I'll just like put it just like almost like straight down the hatch. I won't even touch my teeth. Uh, at nighttime, I drink consistently throughout the day, but at nighttime I change it up a little bit. I am like an addict of Topo Chico. Like I love Topo Chico. Um, and before you blast me on there, this, uh, podcast and this video on YouTube, it's coming out way after they changed um, the formula for Topo Chico, which was found to have um, some microplastics and some other bad things in it. And like the whole biohacking health community went nuts because everybody loves Topo Chico, myself included. But I quit it for like three or four months. Then they um, uh, created a new system. I think it's like Nestle or something that makes Topo Chico or manufactures it. They created a whole new system. And within this system, they got it back to where it should be, which is a really good purified, high mineral dense carbonated spring water, which I love. So I, I do about one to two bottles of Topo Chico basically every night. Um, I'm, I don't snack that much. They're very minimal. If I do, I do like those. Oh, I don't have any in my office that I can show you. Uh, it probably do, but uh, it's too far away. It's like those little like, grass fed beef sticks from like Paleo Valley or Archers. I really like those. I like those little like shorty sausages as well. So kind of more like a meat protein type uh, thing. I also love the Keon bars. They're super nutty and like, I don't, I'm not eating a lot right now, but they've got like coconut and honey and seeds. It's really good. I'll occasionally chew on some like nuts and cashews, like mainly macadamias are like my go-to um, almonds, cashews, but macadamias if I can get my hands on them. I normally finish work around 5 p.m. And around 5 p.m. I'm headed home. And on my commute home, I actually do some different things. Um, I do some things to really help to uh, allow the day to sink in to kind of recap the day, but also prep myself for what I'm about to enter into when I get home, which is potentially two screaming that yet and though loving boys um, and mass chaos. <laughs> so I like to prep the mind because <clears throat> some days the work catches up to me and I feel it. I get in the car and I just feel like that sinking feeling, that toughness that comes along. So for me, I've got about a 25 minute commute. So I'm doing a couple things. I'm listening to podcasts or audiobooks. And if you're curious, like what podcast do you listen to, Jay? Ben Greenfield Fitness, of course, have to put that plug in there. And it's true though. I actually do listen to Ben Greenfield Fitness a lot. Um, Huberman Lab, Muscle Intelligence. That's Ben Pakolsky's podcast. Phenomenal podcast. I uh, like Lex Friedman, uh, Joe Rogan, Peter Atia and the Peter Atia Drive, Tim Ferriss. Love all those. Those are great. Or I'll just listen like audiobooks. Generally, they're like nonfiction books, health and wellness books, um, finance books. I know it sounds kind of boring. I'm so one dimensional on that end, but 
I like learning and, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with fiction books. I like fiction as well. I just barely ever read fiction. I just like a lot of nonfiction. And I like learning about practical tools, which I think you can do from fiction. Um, it's just maybe a little bit more up to your interpretation. I don't know. Maybe that's all health in general too, though. While driving home, this is another thing that I always do. Again, this is my one of Jay's non-negotiables is I'm always always, always doing some form of breath work. This is the best way for me to ease my mind and body after work so that I know when I get home, I'm going to be in a great mental space to be there for my kids and for my wife. If I do not do this, sometimes I can get a little bit lost in my thoughts and not allow myself to decompress from the day. So this is one of those ones that I highly, highly encourage you that if you can do breath work, which you can while you're driving, if you can regulate your breathing and just pace it, and we're, I'm going to come out with something that's going to be quite helpful for that. Uh, if you can do that, do it. It's just a great way to ease the mind and prepare yourself for your next phase, for wherever you're going so that you're in a better phase. And then if somebody cuts you off while you're driving, maybe you're not so emotionally reactive. That has been really helpful for me uh, because we don't have a ton of traffic here in Greenville, but it, and there's some at five. Like I work in downtown. And so downtown has a little bit of traffic uh, getting out of here. And sometimes people aren't very nice and they're trying to get home and they're hungry and they're you know, they had a long day too. And so I like to try to, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt, but breath work helps. So that's a great one. When I get home, I'm always begging for hugs. I don't even have to beg. My kids just run and, you know, jump into my arms and it's so much fun, but I get hugs from everybody in my family, my wife included. Uh, I'll say, Hey to everybody. And then we, we cook dinner. So, uh, you know, again, I'm home like five thirty six. we cook dinner like around five forty five, and we do it together. Um, my wife and I, and then my kids like to be involved sometimes, but generally my wife and I, we always cook together. She's doing one thing. I'm doing the other. It's a great way to, to kind of, again, just talk, um, you know, maybe have a drink or two and just really relax and enjoy that process. Food's a great thing. I play with the kids after we're done eating until around seven ish. Then we put them down and then I have my wind down time, which leads me to sleep. No. So what do I do for sleep? So my wind down time, by the way, is like my wife and I either watching a show together or, yeah, we're doing something together. Um, we always, uh, from the time our kids go down to the time we go down to bed, we're generally um, together um, and doing something because I haven't seen her all day. Might have texted her a couple times back and forth, maybe one phone call during the day, but it's great to kind of be able to just engage in that relationship. All right, sleep. So let's talk about sleep. Uh, a lot of my sleep is all about what do I do prior to attempting to go to sleep? Uh, I think that that's key, right? It's like the prep. Like how do I prep for sleep? The first thing is lighting. And lighting is so incredibly important to circadian rhythm. It's so incredibly important to setting the stage for appropriate preparation for sleep. It's so incredibly important. So what do I do? We turn and dial all of our lights down to like an orangish amber glow. Um, in our room, we actually have red lights. I know we might sound crazy for you, like in the health optimization biohacking community, you guys are like, yeah, yeah, this is the thing to do. But uh, we, we set our room to red. Uh, again, we do this 
generally like about an hour or so, two hours, hour and a half ish before we go to bed, all the lights are down and we actually make it to where we can barely see. Like it's pretty dang dark. Like for us, I think we've adjusted to it. So we don't see that, but other people who've been over are like, it's like really dark here. Um, so we do it, do it that way. Um, sometimes too, I'll put on my raw optics. Um, actually every night I put on my raw optics. I'll take my contacts out and put on raw optics. I have like the, um, the clear version, but also I have the red version. Most of the time I'm wearing the clear version, but if I really like want that boost at night, I'll throw on the red ones. Uh, but if I throw in those red lenses for me, like that is like the sign of like, dude, go to bed. Like it is time to go to bed. So I will do it if I need that extra boost. But for the most part, it suffices just for me to wear my blue light blocking glasses, um, uh, that are clear. And there's a podcast I did on my old podcast, Mind Hackers Radio, still available with uh, Matt Maruka of Raw Optics. Great brand if you're going to look at blue blocker glasses and he knows everything there is to know about those. So check out that one if you haven't done so. Next thing would be like body prep. Um, so a lot of times, um, it, depending on what I've done for the rest of the day, like I did a lot of movement and I got kind of sweaty again, I'll take another shower and I know I hear the birds chirping, the peanut galleries, like three showers in a day. Sometimes, yeah, but a lot of times this will be really quick, like maybe a minute. It's like blast myself with like nice warm water, rinse off, like use soap. Uh, and then, which I use native, by the way, native, like deodorant, native soap is incredible, really good. And then uh, a blast cold. I always love blasting cold prior to um, going to bed. So that's what I'll do there. And a lot of times too, I'll use like a Theragun. Um, so it's kind of like one of those percussion therapy guns on like the muscle group that I worked out that day or generally just everywhere on the body just feels great and relaxes the body. Um, I love the way that those like percussive like guns feel on the body. What do I take for supplements? Uh, so this is an interesting one. Again, I'm not uh, on sleep supplements. I'm really not huge on, um, I don't do a lot uh, in terms of supplements and I don't do it every single night. Actually. Um, there are some nights I would argue maybe even most nights that I don't take any form of supplementation prior to bed. But when I do, I take a cocktail um, that I've heard Andrew Huberman talk about a lot, um, which is uh, a couple of compounds that can be quite effective. One would be magnesium three and eight. So I already have it. So sometimes I'll take it. But magnesium three and eight can be extremely helpful with um, calming the mind at night. Uh, the other one would be apigenin. So apigenin, uh, I believe was initially created for prostate help. It comes from the chamomile leaf. Uh, men and women, I think have been, it's been shown that men and women can help it, but for men, it has like more um, benefits for like prostate health, uh, but it also can be helpful for sleep. And I think that comes from it being a derivative of chamomile or like chamomile leaf. The other thing that's a bit more optional would be like L-theanine. Um, I would say be careful with L-theanine at night because for those who have a high propensity for nightmares, uh, for sleepwalking, for sleep paralysis, uh, this can be inducing. And I've had that actually happen to me like one time. I still will take it, but it's only happened like one time. And it was a bad nightmare. I don't know if it was necessarily due to L-theanine, but it could have been. So just be careful. Sometimes I'll take CBD. I'll take like, you know, a, a, a fairly high dose of CBD if I'm just kind of playing around with it. Uh, and that's kind of like my only two optional ones. The other thing, like a lot of people ask me about, and sometimes I'll drink reishi tea, by the way. Now, reishi from Four Sigmatic. I'll drink some reishi tea. It's been found to be pretty relaxing on the body as well. A lot of people ask me, do I take melatonin? And the answer is no, I do not take melatonin. And the reason I don't take melatonin is because uh, it has been found to um, have some su suppression on 
hormonal functioning in terms of um, individuals who are going through puberty. And again, this is more for an adolescence and adolescent boys um, and, and girls too, but it can delay the onset of puberty. And so for me, that level of hormonal change that comes from melatonin, which is a hormone, um, is just a little bit like more on the, uh, I'm a little bit more risk averse, so I just don't do it. For some people, it can be really effective in helping them become drowsy. But there was a great article that was put out in the New York Times that everybody should read if you have access to the New York Times that actually showed that melatonin um, is not necessarily as helpful taking it directly before bed as it is earlier in the day, um, like at 4 or 5 p.m. instead of, you know, 8 or 9 or 10 p.m. So read that article. All right. What time do I go to bed? I'm generally um, up or going up to bed around 9 or 9.30 p.m. Um, and again, this is just me. Not necessarily you need to do it. I wake up at 5. So for me, I need to get good rest by getting in bed around 9 or 9.30 p.m. I'm really uh, to sleep no later than 10 p.m. I mean, it is a rarity for me to stay up past 10 p.m. Uh, something has probably gone problematic if I am up past 10 p.m. So that's, I'm generally down before then. Temperature wise, and we normally turn our thermostat to 68, 69-ish degrees. So we keep it relatively cool. We also have two boys. So we're conscientious of them not getting too cold in their beds. Um, so we keep it around 68 degrees. Um, you know, I used to use an Uller system or chili pad. Don't really use that anymore, but I think it's a great option um, if you want to. If you ask me why, uh, I, I think they've changed this by the way, but it used to be that you could really feel like the water ripples like in the pad. And I just didn't like that feel. Like it was kind of annoying to me. And I really um, have a preference for comfort <laughs> and comfort is very subjective. So for you, it may be fine. I think they changed it actually to where you can't feel the like little ripples. But for me, it was just a little bit too much. So I quit the Uller system. It was kind of loud too, by the way. It was like white noise loud, but it wasn't bad. What do I wear for an attire? I, I know it's a little granular, but just shorts. I wear my Viore core shorts, K-O-R-E. Um, I love them. They have built-in liners. So for me, it's just like throw the shorts on, like I'm good to go, nothing else. Um, that's just me. I wear an eye mask. I actually wear a, a weighted eye mask by the company Manta, M-A-N-T-A. And I love it because it covers it's like eye cups, these large eye cups that cover your eye, but allow your eyelashes to not be compressed. Uh, and it's weighted as well. So I just love the feel of it. I put on mouth tape. Myotape. Um, Myotape is by Patrick McCune's company, our podcast co-host, obviously. And what I love about Myotape is that it doesn't go over the lips, like to shut the lips um, and can, and and just close it by like sealing the lips. It actually goes around the lips. You can look at it again, Myo, M-Y-O, tape. Myotape, it goes around the lips and it just gently pulls it together. What that gentle pull does is it helps to keep the mouth shut during the night. So you're going to nasal breathe through the night, but it also allows you to, to be able to talk <laughs> to your significant other, to talk to your kids on my, on my case and not have to like pull it off and then like use another one, which gets kind of expensive if you do it that way, unless you just use like the, you know, the 3M, like the next guard tape or whatever it's called. That stuff's pretty cheap as well. I just like the myo tape. Uh, and again, I know a guy. <laughs> so the next thing is I also put on a breathe right sensitive nose strip uh, just to help to kind of open up the nasal pathway a little bit extra. Maybe not necessary, but I like it. I feel like I just tend to breathe better at night and have better aura scores when I do it. Uh, kind of a more of a controversial topic. Uh, maybe not for the, again, the health and wellness community, but if you're kind of just walking in 
uh, you may um, think, what in the world are you guys doing? I turn off my Wi-Fi at night, uh, have a kill switch. I just don't see a need for it being on. We're not using any Wi-Fi and there could be the potentials of harmful EMF exposure that come with Wi-Fi. For me, I just kill it. And, um, so we kill the Wi-Fi. Uh, there's no Wi-Fi running in the house at night because again, there's just no use for it. The next thing is, is that I use a blue shield, um, blue shield cube in my room that uses scalar technology. Check out the podcast I did on my old one, Mind Hackers Radio with Brandon Amalani. It was uh, all about scalar technology and how this can help to uh, reduce the impact that harmful EMFs have on the body. So we actually have one of those in our room. Our room is pitch black dark. We have uh, blackout curtains. We also use those true dark stickers um, that like cover up like the tiny little lights that are on like the smoke detector or any like electronics like that might be in the room. Like we cover those as well. So our room is pretty dang pitch black, which is awesome. And then prior to initiating sleep, and this is not every night, but many nights I'll do breath work and meditation. So I'll actually do some paced breathing, HRV biofeedback, just to help kind of calm the mind and calm the body. The last thing I want to do, and we're going to wrap this podcast up because we've been going for like an hour and a half almost. Wow. Thanks guys for holding in there. I hope this is useful. Like I hope this is practical. But the next thing that we do uh, that I wanted to talk about, I should say, is my sleep data. Cause that's a question I get like all the time. Like well, how much deep sleep are you getting? How much REM sleep? Like what's your onset? What's your HRV? Like all these things. So let's, let's talk about that. Um, one thing that I should mention too, cause I just think it's interesting is like wake ups during the night. Um, and this is, can, can be shown on your aura ring or your whoop, but, uh, you know, but for me, I'm taking more of a mental, I guess, picture. And no, that's not a good word I'm taking, like I'm taking notice of how often I wake up. Um, for me, I generally don't wake up. And if I do wake up, like almost always will go to the bathroom, but it's never more than once. And a lot of times this happens because my kids will wake us up. Um, they have to go to the bathroom or they're, crying about something, whatever it may be. Uh, but it's not, <coughs> excuse me, every night I pretty much just fall asleep and wake up in the same place. Now my wife may completely argue with that, but I feel like that's what I do. My movement on my aura ring is typically pretty low. Total sleep time. I average seven ish hours around seven hours. And that's again, that's pretty consistent on the weekends. Um, you should listen to the podcast I did with Molly McLaughlin all in all things sleep. And she'll tell you why. You should be consistent on the weekends, but you should be consistent on the weekends. The uh, onset and latency, it takes me about five to 10 minutes to fall asleep. Generally, I average closer to that five, maybe sometimes three to four minutes, or it always gets mad at me and deducts points from my readiness score because it says that I was probably too tired for the day or I wasn't recovered. So I get like the little yellow bar and it you know, tells me warning, but I average about five minutes takes to, to, to get to sleep the onset. I generally get about two and a half hours of deep sleep. So if I sleep for seven hours total, two and a half of that is going to be in deep. And that's on the, the more so end than less so end. And I like that range. I've had to work pretty hard to get there, but you can see my daily routine is pretty structured and I do a lot of things now for my overall health. So that's, that's one thing that I, that, that I've worked on and done really well. I've gotten it from about an hour and 15, hour and a half up to two and a half hours is my absolute average. Uh, the next one would be rim It's about an hour and a half. I don't put a lot of focus on rim just because as of right now, the recording of this podcast, the ability to detect accurately rim is not that great. So I don't put a ton of weight or emphasis on rim. I actually like to look at deep plus rim and just call that deep. I think BioStrap does that actually. And uh, for me, it's going to average again, two and a half, one and a half is four. So for about four hours or so uh, a night, I'm in kind of my deep, deep state. And that's my goal. 
My resting heart rate low, my average is around 46 beats per minute. Um, if it's a really like kind of intensive night, it'll be up around like 49 or 50, but it's generally around 46 or lower than that. And then my HRV, again, I'm going to mention it here, now, but I will say that HRV is something that is going to be different for everybody and doesn't need to be normatively compared. It is always self-comparison, but p- because people ask, I'm going to um, I'm going to provide that information. So it generally ranges from about 80 you know, on the really low side for me to 130 on the high side. I'm right about 100 to 105-ish RMS SD. That's 105 milliseconds is right where I, where I lay. If I am not fully recovered and something's kind of like off around 80-ish, 70-ish, and then 130, 140, sometimes 150, 160 if I'm like in a really prime day. HRV. Again, do not compare. Last thing on this podcast before I wrap it all up, because we've been blasting away now for almost an hour and a half, is what do I do for biohacking? And my optional biohacks or said biohacks. So I've mentioned a lot of them kind of throughout this. Um, I don't know if I would consider many of the ones that I've mentioned as like, quote unquote, like biohacks, but the next ones that I do, I would say are more in the biohacking range-esque, you know, whatever type the first thing would be PEMF, pulsed electromagnetic, electromagnetic fields therapy. I use one from a company called Halo, H-A-E-L-O. This is like the best one that I've ever found. Um, granted, they did send me a device and I've been using it for now probably six months, maybe four or five months, six months, something like that. It is amazing. I have seen so much good use for recovery, especially after hard workouts. And really I use it on a daily basis for rest, uh, for relaxation. I see a significant reduction in heart rate and increase in heart rate variability when I use my halo PMF device. So PMF is basically like replicating grounding or the concept of grounding, which is another quote unquote biohack that I do, but it's an amplified more intensive version of it to where you can get a high dose of like the grounding effect, which is like getting um, uh, 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 ions from the earth surface that can help with reducing inflammation. Great book by Clint Ober um, called Earthing that you should all read. But ground, it's like an intense version of grounding, a more potent version of, 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 of that type of therapy, but it's incredible for recovery. The other one I use would be red light exposure and the use of my Juve panel, <coughs> which I use typically at night prior to bed. I don't use it every night, but maybe three or four nights a week. Um, and then my V light system. So again, this is my old podcast, mind hackers radio. I did a podcast with Dr. Lou Lim who created this product called V light. It's this transcranial device that you put on and then intranasal, um, infrared and red light therapy that can help with mitochondrial functioning and, uh, increased production of, uh, of ATP and amp K pathway. And they can help with overall cognition and mood. That's some really interesting research on the V-Lite website, V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T, V-Lite. So I utilize that probably like two or three times a week. And then also do, yes, yeah, some grounding. So I'll go out and place bare feet on the earth's surface um, to get kind of like that PMF version. 
but the more just kind of like free version, <laughs> if, you, if you will. So I do that every single day because I'm always outside in the backyard, like playing with kids. And I'll generally get about an hour or so of just like barefoot grounding out there. And then there's some other things I do here and there, but probably not worth our time. So I think with that, like that's my daily routine. That's a lot. Um, took me an hour and a half to talk about it. Um, I guess it doesn't take me that long to do it. Well, maybe it does. I mean, it takes 12 hours to do all this stuff because I'm up and asleep like within well, a little bit longer than a 12 hour phase, more like a 16 hour phase. Uh, but that's it. I hope again that you learned something from this in terms of like, just maybe, you know, it piqued your interest or you have something that you can take with you now that maybe you haven't tried, but that's what I do to optimize my health and well being, And it's working really well for me right now. I'll change things. Like again, I could do a podcast on this six months from now and things will inevitably change. Like I promise you they will. Um, it probably won't be that much because like, again, this has been a little bit refined, but it may a little. So bear with me. Maybe I'll do another one of these in six months or a year and we'll see where I'm at. See kind of how things are either drastically different or maybe not so different. Hope again, that was helpful. My daily routine, my way to of optimizing health makes me feel good. All right. I think that's going to be it. Let's go ahead and wrap things up there. The last thing I'll say for you all is that if you could, if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, hit that bell. That will be so helpful for us. But the other thing that if you could, if you're on listening on podcasts, is go on to Apple Podcasts, write us a five-star review. Maybe Patrick and I will read that review and send you this crazy cool goodie package that we have. Just listen out for it. But whatever you can do to support the show, please, like that would be so helpful for us. All right, everybody, you have a wonderful day, wonderful week. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Hanu Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast would not happen without listeners and supporters like you. And the best way to support us and the show is to head on over to iTunes and provide us with a five-star review. This helps us reach others and spread the good word of breathing and stress resiliency. If we read your five-star review on air, please reach out to podcast at hanuhealth.com with your name and mailing address, and we will send you some sweet Hanu gear. Until next time, breathe better and stress less.